podcast one production. You can understand other people's behaviour, but the only behaviour you can really control is your own. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today, how to deal with difficult people with my guest, Michelle Bagnall, Chief Executive Officer, RACQ Bank. Have you ever had to deal with difficult people at work? Have you had to deal with someone who blocks you, who doesn't actually want to help, who's finding it, you're finding it difficult to navigate around? Today, we're going to fast track on how to deal with difficult people. And I want you to hear from Michelle Bagnall, the CEO of RACQ Bank. Michelle, I've got a really tough question for you. Why are there so many difficult people at work? It's a great question, Margie, and it's across the 27 years of my career. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I haven't had to deal with difficult people of some kind. First thing I'd say is there's lots of different brands of difficult people. Okay, so what do you mean by brands of difficult people? Well, I kind of think of it along two two axes. Um, In one sense, there's, am I able to influence that difficult person? And, you know, some people you are and some people you aren't. The other side is long-term, am I able to actually build trust with this person? For whatever reason they're being difficult, is there something that I can do that actually will influence this person or is there something I can do to build trust with this person? So you're talking about what you can do rather than actually fixing the other person. Yeah, yeah. And look, Margie, one of the things I've learned across my time is you can only control your own behaviour. You can understand other people's behaviour, but the only behaviour you can really control is your own. So, you know, I kind of look at that and think, first thing I've got to do, if, if there's a reason I need that difficult person to come with me, or at least not to be a blocker, then actually I need to understand that person. I need to understand their motivations. Michelle, how do you approach new people when you're going in and assessing whether people are difficult, particularly in a new job? Mm, Yeah. So I've managed teams for the last 25 years of my career, which makes me sound really old. But um, I think there's one common factor across each of those experiences with new teams, and that is you go in with the burden of other people's opinions. So Ooh, if- the burden of other people's <laughs> opinions. I love it. Every time I've gone into a new role, I've had others around me and sometimes above me giving me a very, very definite list of all the difficult people in that team that need to be moved on. And my experience is that, you know, they talk about first 90 days. In that first 90 days, very heavy focus on getting to know the people and not just the role they do, but who they are, what drives them, what they're about, um, what they found challenging. When you actually get to know people, what tends to happen is they tend to respond to you as a leader. And I would say, without exception, not one of those people on any of those lists of difficult people have I managed out. Right. So they're not so difficult from your perspective, from your fresh eyes, and not to have the burden of other people's opinions on whether they're difficult or not. 
once they're understood, yeah. and the honest truth is most people just want to be seen. They want to be valued for the contribution they make yep. and they want to be seen as individuals and valued as individuals in the workplace. Um, and, you know, my experience has been that when you close the mouth and open the ears and listen to people a little bit more rather than just telling them what to do, that actually what opens up is a relationship between the two of you. Once you've got that relationship or even a sense of joint understanding, all of a sudden difficult people become your star performers. Mm. So it's in the mindset and it's in the way you approach it and not having the burden of others' opinions. I'm going to use that. And again, it is all about the action that you take, Mm -hmm. not just about the other person. Mm. So you kind of got to look at where am I uh, in amongst this and with this person, am I able to influence them? Am I able to do things differently to build trust with them? If the answer is yes to either of those, then it's about taking actions on your side that show that goodwill that you want a relationship with that person. So this is so interesting because so often people will say to me, you know, oh, um, um, that person is doing it because, and I'll ask the question, how do you know? (laughs) And we don't know. We don't really understand. We haven't actually made that attempt because we feel that they've been difficult. This is a key part of it, actually, is we we tend to think from our own perspective. We don't tend to put ourselves outside of our own perspective and look at, well, what is their agenda or what is their nervousness? Sometimes, sometimes difficult people are driven by insecurities of some kind. The other thing I would say is anywhere where you are driving change through an organisation and the more change, the greater the change, the greater the transformation, the more difficult people you're going to encounter and the more difficult they will seem. Okay, so change is everywhere. Everyone's saying, oh, my God, every change is the constant now. Yeah. We've got to change, transformation, whatever it might be. So anyone listening to this will know that change is part of their workplace. But what do you mean, why are there more difficult people when you're changing? When you're agitating for change and when you're trying to shift an organisation from where it is to where it needs to be next, the natural instinct usually with people is to try to maintain the status quo, try to maintain the position they're in. And we all know this from executing change programs. The vast majority of people sit in the bulk in the middle who are neither great resistors or um, great advocates and leaning in. So you tend to get a section in the middle who are what you would call passive blockers. And then you tend to get a minority of people who are really assertive blockers. In change, it's more likely that there are going to be people who are not coming along for the ride and therefore Mm. we might consider them difficult. um, And there'll be people who will voice that and won't voice that. But I'm still interested in this idea of having having change and having lots of difficult people, um, what do you do? How do you how do you address this? And again, it depends on whether you can influence them or not. So find the thing that matters to them. Find the win-win in the equation. Um, find the thing that you can do or include in your agenda that matters to them or at least find a way to demonstrate you have empathy for what matters to them. You know, sometimes it's not possible to include what they want in what needs to happen next. It's not 
something that I enjoy, going head-to-head with people. So what advice have you got? Oh, look, Margie, I'm a, maybe I'm a little bit unusual, but my advice is embrace your difficult people, particularly if they're overtly, overtly telling you uh, why they don't agree with you. Because generally what you find is that that small minority yeah. of very vocal, difficult people are the voice of the vast majority who are passively sitting there nodding at you saying, yes, we'll come with you and then never do anything. So embrace your difficult people, particularly if they're willing to tell you why they don't like what you're doing. How do you face into that in your mindset and, and what do you actually do? I mean, it seems easy for you. The key to this is not taking it personally. Okay. This isn't about you as an individual and very rarely have I actually met people in the workplace who are nasty people. So generally, people are, regardless of how difficult they're being, they're actually nice people, particularly when they get home and take the suit off and the tie off. um, They're generally nice people. So it's never really about it being personal. Uh, And this is the mistake we make, is we take things too personally. I struggle with not taking it personally, to be honest. Tell me, how how do you set yourself up for that? You can't just say it. What do you do, Michelle? Part of that process is actually around stakeholder management. Certainly nobody spends enough time thinking about their key stakeholders. And I've learnt that lesson over and over again the hard way. When you don't spend the time to sit and map out who are my stakeholders, who's on my side who's potentially not on my side or why. And in being on your side, it's never about you. It's about what the organisation needs you to achieve. So by not taking it personally, you mean taking a focus on the business and looking out and up about what those outcomes need to be? So that's one That's one strategy. The other strategy I pursue when thinking about how I not take something personally, particularly mm. when I don't understand why somebody is a blocker, yeah. uh, perspective. And perspective in the sense of actually why do I care about this particular blocker or why do I, hmm. why am I so concerned with this particular blocker so much? Hmm. Now, if they're going to be able to veto what you're doing, well, but, that's a different issue because then you've got a sponsorship issue. But sometimes I would say, if I can pick up on this, I know when I'm presenting or facilitating in a room and there's someone who... The heckler. The heckler, yeah. Well, the comedian's heckler. But, you know, this is a person who's going to make it difficult to and they ask those questions that are um, not really pursuant of the agenda. And, you know, they're welcome in the room. But I used to, in my early days, focus on that person, work really hard at winning them over. Well, the other 250 people in the room were not being engaged by me. And so one of the things that I learned early was actually... Don't give it oxygen. Don't, you know, if they are truly being a difficult person in the room. So that was one of the strategies I learned early. Yeah. And look, how do you actually surround yourself with advocates and uh, with people who are going to make that person's voice smaller? Okay. I really like this idea of um, making those decisions after you've actually worked really hard at the influence and the trust axis. And I think that that, that 
working out what we're bringing to the situation and then working out what our blockers are doing and what they're feeling and thinking, what their agenda is, trying to influence. And this idea of planning and stakeholder management, Mm. really important. And then finally, if all else fails, look at a choice about where you might spend your time and energy um, away from them. Mm. The one thing I do say though, Michelle, is if you do choose to leave, you're likely to find a difficult person around the corner. So every workplace has in different forms people who aren't going to agree with you, who aren't going to make you feel fantastic. Look, he started this, Margie, by saying difficult people are everywhere. Difficult people are everywhere, but for very different reasons. If you are in a situation where um, you are well-sponsored, you're in the right role, you're in the right organisation and there's fit there, um, you know you're well-sponsored from above, you know you know the piece of work that you're working on is valued and wanted across the organisation, but you're still facing into a difficult person um, and you're in that moment where you're watching them and thinking, why are you behaving the way you're behaving? I tend to find a couple of things practically really work for me. I talk less in that room. And I go in equipped with questions. Because the one thing you've got to do in those situations is resist the urge to jump in and sound like you're combative or that you're arguing with them. And if they're talking and they stop talking, silence is brilliant sometimes. Okay. So it sounds like you're neutralising the... um the anger or the emotion that's coming from them. Mm. So, okay, and you do that by being calm yourself and and taking, you know, some questions as calm as possible. (laughs) It's really interesting learning not to be triggered by those sort of things. One of the other things that I've noticed is really useful to remember is not to go down the rabbit hole. So I've often found that um, when I think somebody's difficult, it's they've They've started to talk about something and off we've gone and what I call going down the rabbit hole and then we're battling. Um, Don't get down in the mud. Okay, so tell me about not getting down in the mud. Mine's a rabbit hole, yours is a mud. Tell me about not getting in the mud. What does that mean for you? Yeah, and this this is actually a tactic that I find, uh, you know, my experience of difficult people in the past has been they will try and drag you to where they are and it's to get you into their space and into their arena. And I think it's it's incredibly important, twofold, keep coming back to the bigger issue, focus on the bigger game, lift the conversation constantly. You know, my experience would say, keep them focused on the greater good, keep mm. them focused on what we are all here to do, not me and I, and this is what is good for me and my team quite often anchoring in your customer or the purpose and the reason why you're all there is a great way to bring everybody back. I really like this, Michelle, because it's a responsibility that about what you can do and what you're bringing everywhere. And so often I'm hearing or seeing um, where politics goes bad in an organisation, where things aren't really working. Often people are recruiting spending a lot of energy recruiting people over to their side, which says, oh, they're a difficult person. When in fact, what I'm hearing you say is go and walk right in there and say hello and open your arms and say, hello, how can we meet in the middle? Vulnerability is such a powerful weapon. So the ability to be vulnerable yourself uh, and to use vulnerability as a way 
to demonstrate your strength. Mm. Such a powerful weapon. But you know what, Margie, once I read a great definition of politics Mm. and what politics actually is, and it's the struggle for finite resources and Mm. the allocation of finite resources. And I thought... So everyone's land grabbing. Well, blooming heck, this drives a lot of the behaviour, right? In Mm. terms of the old paradigms of power and what Mm. power looks like in most organisations. You know, Mm. we obviously have some newer paradigms emerging uh, when you start to talk about partnership and shared value. But really, politics in an organisation is the land grab for finite resources. Okay. So I've got a few clients. So I've done a lot of coaching in the last couple of days. Three out of those 12 people that I've coached asked me how to deal with difficult people. Mm. Now, when they've described the situation, one of them sounds like a really grade A difficult person, someone who is really taking up all the oxygen in the room, they're competitive, they're actually not including this person in emails, they're doing, if you're out there, you're listening, stop it. No, it's just very, <laughs> very interesting, you know, this behaviour. And we we work through some strategies for this person, but changing that person's not really something that this person is really wanting to do or lean in or talk to them. So I really want to know what that person's scared of. So I hear that story and I think, what is that person frightened of losing? Amazing. I love that. I love that focus. So any last ideas or tips or thoughts around this, how to deal with difficult people? Well, I think um, I think difficult people challenge us and sometimes they challenge us in, in a negative way. Um, but actually... Sometimes the friction that's created by an overtly difficult person is the right friction to make everybody a little bit better. So something I would say is don't actively avoid difficult people in the sense of constructive conflict. Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of challenging people. Don't mistake the two. Don't mistake a challenging constructive conflict situation for a blatant difficult person because that means that we're not actually then pushing ourselves out of our own comfort zone. Okay, and avoidance isn't a strategy in your in your view, I'm hearing? I think it's a, a strategy of last resort. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I re- avoidance is a strategy of last resort. I might stick that up on the wall. I just want us to remember that there is a whole lot of responsibility that we have as we take into every relationship and offering up different perspectives and different opportunities for us to manage these relationships is the key. So thanks and remember, make good choices. Fast Track is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au.